Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of It Starts With Attraction. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing ItStartsWithAttraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to ItStartsWithAttraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. If you have ever felt like you are unqualified for what you're doing in life or what you want to do in life, then this episode is most definitely for you. And I want to just clarify. For me, when I first heard that word, and as we were talking about it, I thought, I don't know that that resonates with me. But when I thought about it in the sense of, do I feel like I'm not good enough? It definitely resonated with me. So if you have ever felt like you aren't good enough at being a parent, at being a spouse, at being in whatever work position that you're in, or in your friend group, or in your social setting, then this podcast is definitely for you. Today, I am speaking with Ella Lucas Everett. She is a businesswoman, a part-time triathlete, a keynote speaker, and the host of the podcast On Air with Ella, which is a show for anyone looking to live better, feel better, and have some fun along the way. Ella claims that her greatest superpower is trial by error, which I love, and she loves to bring her audience along with her in pursuit of living our very best life one step at a time, starting now. I love this woman. She is amazing. We have had so much fun all of the times that we have spoken together. And I believe you're going to have so many great takeaways from today's episode. Let's dive in. Hey, my name is Kimberly Beam Holmes, and this is It Starts With Attraction, where we discuss how to become the most attractive that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as us insiders call it, the pies. You can become more attractive to others and most importantly, to yourself. We will teach you how. Let's dive in. If you've ever wanted to know what your attractiveness score is, then I have a free guide that you're going to want to go and download. Now, I'm going to tell you that this isn't going to be like those quizzes or surveys or tests that you see online that are like, how hot are you or how sexy are you? Because I think those end up making people feel worse about themselves at the end than ever before. This free attraction assessment guide that I have created is a no gimmicks, truthful and honest representation of of how you can assess yourself and see the areas of attraction that you feel most confident in and the areas of attraction where you need opportunity for growth. It's not going to be done in a way that makes you feel worse about yourself, but is going to give you real tools and tactics that you can begin to implement after you know which areas you should focus a little more on and which ones you're already slaying. You can go and get your free guide at itstartswithattraction.com. You'll see the opt-in form in the lower right-hand corner, and it'll be emailed to you immediately. I can't wait to hear about your results and your scores and the way that you decide to make some changes in your life so that you can be the most attractive that you can be. Go and get your free guide at itstartswithattraction.com. I am here today with Ella Lucas Averett. And I, first of all, am so excited to talk to her because she's a joy. And every one of you listening are going to experience this as you hear us speak. But more than that, we're going to be talking about something that we'll get into a bit. But Ella 
is a professional speaker. She's the host of her own podcast, On Air with Ella, which has so many listeners. She's had so many amazing episodes. She just relaunched it. So be sure once you're done with this, you go check it out. But she also is a successful strategic consultant. She is an entrepreneur, a part-time triathlete, which we definitely have to get to at some point. And I love this part, a caffeine enthusiast, which is... (laughs) Fantastic. But Ella, how, I mean, we know all of this, but how did you get to where you are? Because those are a lot of different things. You're a strategic consultant, you are an entrepreneur, you do your own podcast. How did you get into all of that? Well, that's where the caffeine comes in. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Kimberly. First of all, thank you so much. It is such an honor to be able to spend some time with you and your audience. Like it's such a privilege to be able to talk to your people. I know you take good care of them. So thank you. Uh, I'm so excited for you to speak to them. I love it. Well, how did I get here? It's so funny because when you sort of read back somebody's bio, right, or you ask them, you know, how did you get here in your career? It always sounds so neat and tidy and linear. And my Mm -hmm. career, I would say, looks like a plate of cooked spaghetti. (laughs) So we wanted to be uncooked spaghetti, right? Straight line, shortest possible route. And I would say I actually have a plate that is a heap of noodles and everything sort of, it relates to one another and they're all tangled up and they're delicious, but... Exactly. It's very difficult to pull on one noodle and make the whole thing make sense. But anyway, um, thank you very much for that. I am a few of the things that you said. <laughs> I, my background is in business. It's true. So mm-hmm. my career has been made in business, but I am deeply, deeply passionate about wellness and personal development. And for that mm-hmm. reason, I started on air with Ella gosh, I think it's six years ago now, five or six years ago now, Kimberly. So I've been podcasting um, for, for a minute now. Um, and it's interesting. It's an interesting balance to strike between between those two worlds. And triathlon, we'll just have to do another show on that. <laughs> because triathlon, I mean, first of all, part-time triathlete, it's like, I don't think you can be. You're just doing all of it at the same time. And trying to be humble about it. So. You know, it's, it's a metaphor. Here's how it's a metaphor. Okay. I am not a specialist in anything. So the, if the triathlon's a metaphor, that is swim, bike, run all, all in the same day. And if it's, this is a perfect metaphor for my, for my life. And honestly, some of the things I wanted to talk with you about today, and that is that I am not the world's best swimmer. And I was not gifted with being the world's fastest cyclist or built for running. Like I was built for comfort, not for speed. And (laughs) the thing that I figured out about myself in my late twenties. Okay. I think when I was 25, I couldn't run a mile. Um, and it's been a minute since I've been 25 and what, what it turns out, what is unique about me is I actually can do all three in a manner that is, um, better than I anticipated. So I'm not good at any one thing. I happen to have the skill of being able to do all three, which turns out to be a separate skill. I think that is such a metaphor. And frankly, Mm. that is my business career. I am, I started a consultancy in 2003 and my partner and I have worked with many different types of businesses but we are generalists. And what I find useful about that, useful about that conversation, conversation, whether it's business 
or fitness or your hobby is we're so focused on trying to fit into a box. That's what school does for you. If you, God help you, if you go to graduate school, I went to graduate school to get my MBA and they were like, what do you want? They basically said in more sophisticated terms, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, but that's why I'm here. Like, I can't wait to figure it out. And they were like, no, no, no. We need to know what box to put you in. And that's sort of what life does. Right. But I actually prefer to look at what different stack of skills do I offer? So if I'm Kimberly, I'm not just this one. You have like eight jobs anyway, so you can relate to this. But yeah. it's not just that you are good at communicating with people or that you are good at running the operations for your company. It's that you bring this unique stack to the table, your own triathlon of skills, if you will, that is so particular to you. So that was a very long way to, to explain to you um, sort of how triathlon informs my view of the world. I love it though. I It makes me want to go and try triathlon just to see how I can put all these things together and, and put my unique spin on it. Okay. But we're not going to go down that path right now because I really want to get into what I heard you speak about, and I said, I've got to find out more about that, which is this term unqualified and this term called imposter complex. So what do you mean when you talk about showing up and feeling unqualified? I love this because, and this is all a bit related in the sense that we're sold a bit of a bill of goods when we are headed out into the world when we're younger or when we're older and we're aspiring to reach further than our current accomplishments, or let's say we want to try something new. And it is easy to feel like, which is buttressed by social media or any media really, or you know what you see in marketing terms, it's very easy to feel like success is linear you're either there or you are not. The people who are there are leagues and leagues ahead of you and have something that you do not have. And sometimes we operate in those arenas anyway, but we feel a bit like an imposter. And sometimes we avoid those arenas altogether because we feel like an imposter. And I think that it's an extremely powerful conversation to have because what I have done and what I have leveraged in my own life is saying, you know what? I feel unqualified to do that. Like, great. I have a piece of paper that says I have an MBA, but I feel unqualified to work for this $5 billion company on this. Who am I? Who am I to be in that boardroom? I feel unqualified. I'm not a fitness expert. I'm not a nutritionist. I feel unqualified to host a podcast about health and wellness. Oh, I don't know. Anyone a parent out there? Because I do not have my certification in parenting, Kimberly. <laughs> I did not get a manual. So I can tell Where you. Where are those? Right? <laughs> like we, I missed mine too. Still waiting. My son is Still 20. <laughs> any day. Like everything we do, I would argue almost everything we do of any import, we feel so unqualified at the outset. And rather than fight that demon in my head. I embraced it. I was like, you know what? Mm. I'm unqualified and I'm going to show up and do the thing and see what happens. So that is, that's the opening to the conversation I'm excited about having with you today. Mm. This totally resonates with me 
especially when I think back to when I first became CEO of Marriage Helper. So I had started working at Marriage Helper in my early 20s, um, started as an executive assistant, and I did work my way up to what I had. But since I was the founder's daughter, I always felt like other people were going to think it was just given to me or I, it was just, you, you know what I mean? Like she only got that because she's related. It's not because she deserved it or because she was good at it. And so especially for the first, I don't, probably until just a year or two ago, I didn't want anyone to know that I was related to my dad. I had kept that totally under wraps, even to our audience. I just didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want people to think I didn't know what I was doing. And I personally felt like other people judged me for it. And so I felt like I had to work even harder and show people even more that I, that I knew what I was doing, that I had, I got this because I deserved it, which is even hard for me to say now. I'm like, but do I feel <laughs> so I, I get what you're saying, especially when I think back to that. And I think I've gotten so much more confident because the re- I have results behind me now that show for it, but I still show up to meetings and I'm like, God, like I am the CEO of this company. Am I going to say the right things today? Like, do I even know what I'm supposed to be doing to go to the next level. So is that what you're talking about when you talk about feeling unqualified? That is exactly what I'm talking about. And there are many people listening right now who aren't the CEO of their company, and yet Mm -hmm. they have experienced this in social circles, or they experience this in the conference room, or perhaps they don't look like everybody that they work with. And so they feel like they have to be 10 times better, or, I mean, you get the idea. And I think that the irony is that so many of us are feeling that way. And you are very likely in a room surrounded by people who are all feeling that way, which the irony is so thick. But I think dragging this into the light takes so much of its power away because this is fear. That's what this is. It's fear mm. in, in you know, a, a fancier outfit called imposter complex. And it is this persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. And for the people who can't relate to this in a business environment, I'm sure they can in a relationship or again, in their mom group or Uh (laughs) you name it, you name it. And what it, what it does to us and why I think it's so important to demystify this is it keeps us playing small and it keeps us playing in arenas where we're comfortable unless we're willing to go toe to toe with the fear, unless we have no choice or unless we're completely ignorant of it and we don't know what we don't know, which is a beautiful place to be. (laughs) What's something that you've done? I'm putting you on the spot, Kimberly. What is something that you did that you did not realize how hard it was going to be until five years later? Marriage. That's such a good one. Marriage, parenting, (laughs) adulting in any form. (laughs) Adulting. Learn and tell me about this. Yeah. (laughs) Keeping my car's oil changed. Definitely not something I'm good at. (laughs) Right. Like, what is this mortgage business? And also, (laughs) wait a minute. I'm supposed to make dinner every day for the rest of my life. Like, (laughs) especially during 2020 when you actually had to make dinner every (laughs) single night. (laughs) You know, in 2002, 
I was involved in a company that was based in London and it was super exciting. And it was, I mean, I was, I was an infant. So it was, you know, I was in my, in my twenties and I happened to be the breadwinner for my very tiny family at the time. I was a brand new mom Mm. and working for this company based in London. And it was run by a complete charlatan. And he packed up in the middle of the night one night and he left the keys in his rented car on the street in Mayfair. And he left the building full of rented furniture and he left the staff of say 25 and all of us, he left us without paying us our last paycheck and just up and vanished to another continent. (laughs) Oh my God. Now there were a lot of things that were not awesome about that experience, Kimberly, but you know, what was amazing about it. I had to figure it out fast. I may have been young, but I was a new mom and I was the provider for my family. So I had no choice. That was when my company was born a few months later in January of 2003, all of a sudden I'm in business with two other people and we form a consulting group that still exists today. And I had no idea what I was doing. We had $300 in the bank account and a college like dorm fridge. Those were our assets. Love it. And if you had told me, like if, if now me, who's I'm in my forties now, I've been here for a little while. If forties me told twenties me what I was in for Kimberly, I don't think I would have done it. I do not think I would have done it, but you see, we think at that juncture in our lives, we think that the people who are doing the thing, whatever the thing is, okay that they know something we don't, or they got an education that we didn't have, or they were networked in a way that we would never be. And sometimes that is factually correct. But the truth is the people who are succeeding at something got there by trial and error the same way that you will. They did not drink magic soup that day. They did not take a pill. They don't have something that you do not. They are not the other. They are just like you. The difference is they took the next step and the next step and the next step, and they didn't let their fear shut them down. Mm. So when you were that new mom in 2002, $300 to the new business. I mean, what led you to step out and overcome that fear? For me, that one was blissful ignorance and necessity. And to me, that was a blessing. So that is when you get lucky. So let me give you an example. Somebody who can't quit smoking, but then they find out that they're pregnant. Okay. That's just one Mm, crazy mm -hmm. example of someone who all of a sudden has the strength to give up smoking. Someone gets a diagnosis. So they're Mm. able to mend a relationship or change their habits because some extreme lightning bolt just came into their life. Okay. So for me, that was a lightning bolt. What I think is so much harder, Kimberly, is when we're comfortable, Mm. when we are successful in one area, when we have built a life around us, when we are a little bit more stable. And when we want to step out of that. So people talk about stepping out of your comfort zone all the time, but you know what I think applies to so many of us, and I'm totally throwing my rope around you, tying you into my group here. I think that we are so hesitant to step outside of our comfort zone. Yes, but also outside of our convenience zone, if you will. So I think it's much harder now than it was when it was a necessity, when it was a lightning bolt, when it was this, when it was that, when I could play small, I could stay safe and I could avoid the fear and not do the thing I'm called to do. 
and I'd get away with it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I think that people, I think probably your listeners, so many of them are probably in that group. Like they've had lightning bolt moments in their lives. They're like, I don't have a choice. Here we go. Right. <laughs> but I want to encourage those of us who want more, like we want more, but we don't feel qualified. We want more of something. And it's whatever, it's whatever you define, right? Some people want to show up, you know, in a, in a different body, like in a better body in a body they can feel good. And others want a better marriage and others want a different parenting dynamic and others want professional success. It's success as you define it, but so many of us go to sleep on our dreams. And my goal in life is to help us like turn the volume back up in the areas that we kind of let it dim down. Mm-hmm. How does jealousy fit into this? Do you mean when you're comparing yourself to others? Yeah. Or when people are comparing themselves to you? Mm. So I'm thinking about this through me and how I typically view things. So I, I do struggle with jealousy. And if I have a friend or someone I see who's doing something I wish I could do, I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous, right? Like I, I'm hard on myself. I get envious of them. And so it either is going to propel me forward or that's, that's not what happens most of the time. Most of the time it's going to be me telling myself and you're not good enough. Yeah, absolutely. And can I just say, I appreciate you calling that what it is so much because a lot of people would just skirt around that. And I think it takes strength to say, actually, I'm jealous of people who are doing something that I want to do. I think that the fact that you even say that implies such strength. So kudos to you. Um, I think it's also an extremely important question. And so let me, let me cut it, come at this a couple of ways. First of all, jealousy is a gift. And the reason it's a gift is because it's a message. So mm-hmm. y- if I showed up today on our call and I had beautiful orange hair, Okay. Really beautiful, like really beautiful orange hair. (laughs) Okay. Like we agree that it's stunning. (laughs) Although your hair as it is, is stunning. So I'm wondering why you're using orange. It's a beautiful blonde. (laughs) Stick with me because no part of you would be envious. You'd be like, well, how interesting that Ella is rocking that very distinct (laughs) orange hair. I mean, orange. Okay. Like the color of a cone. Okay. So (laughs) no part of it. Now, now you might see it. It might stand out to you, but you don't aspire to be it, to have it. So there's no message in that. And therefore there is no envy zero zip. Okay. Why is that? because jealousy is a message. It's a lens. So I don't want you to shame yourself or self-flagellate for one second. When you feel that little green monster inside, I want you to say, Oh, I want you to get curious and be like, why am I jealous? Okay. First answer will pop up, break it down. Yeah. But what specifically? Yeah. But what specifically? And guess what? Whatever the answers are, are the things you want in your tool chest. They're the things you want on your bucket list. They're the things you want in your treasure chest. Okay. So Mm. if you see someone 
let's use a really basic example. If you see someone in social media, because we also, we run businesses that are somewhat reliant on this new currency that is social media, which means there is a new currency in the world that didn't exist when we were coming up, if you will. And there's a social currency and it's called social media and it's a credibility statement. So I'll use myself as an example to take the spotlight off of you. (laughs) You can relax for a second. (laughs) So my training, if you will, and if you look at what I'm qualified for, my training is in business. It's in a certain type of strategy work. And if you think that being able to run my own consulting company and make that happen, and then also develop a media brand online, which is my On Air with Ella podcast, but then all the, the events I do around that, the speaking I do around that. If you think that I've taken like any time at all to perfect my Instagram page, <laughs> you would be giving me too much credit. So you go to Instagram and I have like four followers, right? Okay. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but when you compare me, if I'm to compare me to someone who does nothing but podcasting and personal development all the time, all the days, and it is their own, their thing, right? They might have 15,000, 50,000, 150,000, 2 million, pick your number. And I can sit there and spend time comparing myself to those numbers, mm-hmm. or I can say, and this feels like such a stupid example. And yet there are so many of us who are seeking validation from these external sources. And then we feel like we are falling short when we don't get them. In my case, I feel like an imposter because I'm like, oh my gosh, someone's going to go check out my stuff and think I'm some, you know, schmuck who just started this in her garage and is no good Mm -hmm. at it because my social currency isn't high enough. Okay. Right. I have just spent, I spent too much time even articulating that to you. Can you imagine how much energy just gets sucked out of me trying to do something? I have a good friend and she's like, are you trying to win Instagram or are you like trying (laughs) to do a podcast that creates value for people? Because you're good at one and you kind of suck at the other. And I was like, oh, (laughs) I needed to be let off the hook. Mm -hmm. This is a long way around same. It is so helpful when you feel jealousy to A, get curious about it to say, oh, there's a message. If I have an emotion attached and that emotion is envy, then there's a message in this for me. And then to say, well, what am I actually aspiring to that I don't feel like I have? Then to say, great, you have the first answer pop up. Then you say, well, why? And once you get to like the third why, it either dissipates or it becomes Mm. something that, you know, Kimberly, you should be focused on. If you made it to the third why, and there's really something there, then that belongs in your repertoire. That belongs on your list of goals. That belongs in your set of dreams. But I would just encourage you to not shove it to the side and to dive into it. Mm, To face the hard, nasty feelings. Yeah, because if you reframe them, I mean, okay. So let's think of another, I, I'm, I'm very simple-minded. I'm a third grader. So let's think about this in terms of, you know, seeing your friends succeed at something. All right. We see our friends succeed at something and we say, that doesn't feel very good. Like if she got that, that means there's less for me, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is actually incorrect, but that's how we feel. Yeah. You say, well, what that's, this is a message. So I just reframe this. It's like, Ooh, yucky, icky, green feeling. Then I say, well, what is it that I'm actually aspiring to that I'm not getting? I'm like, well, she's on vacation in Bali and she looks really tan. 
like, okay, do I want, would I be in Bali right this second? Like if I could switch places with her right this second, if I could switch lives with her right this second, would I? No, I really, I really would not. Um, would I like to see Bali on my bucket list? Absolutely. But would I switch lives with that person right now, right this second? No, I would not. Okay. Then let me get curious and say, well, then why am I feeling this way? Well, the truth is I haven't had any fun in a long time. I've been really busting my arse lately and I haven't had any fun in a long time. Oh, that's an interesting observation. That's an interesting thought to have. Does that belong on my list of things I want to pay attention to? And like, do, do I want to have some fun? Can I make that happen for myself? What agency do I have to create that? That sounds like a lot. I know, but if we're scrolling or we're talking to our friend or she shows up and she looks amazing in her outfit, like (laughs) these are, these are things that feel bad for a second, but we can use them. We can convert them into tools for us. But I have to say, can I, can I say one more thing about this? Yes. Every year I speak to business school students at the university that I uh, went to a thousand years ago. And I tend to meet with their women in business club. And I ask them questions kind of like the one that you just asked me. And I said, you know, how do you feel when you see that Marianne got her job offer or, you know, uh, Barbara got her internship and, and I challenge them with questions like that. And at the root of this, at the end of the day, is that we must dispel the notion that abundance is a pie Mm -hmm. and there are slices. Mm -hmm. If you, Kimberly, if abundance is a pie and something great happens for you, you get a really big slice of that pie. Well, what does that do to the rest of the pie? It means that there's less for us. So it makes perfect sense that if you get a really lovely piece of pie, I should actually feel fear first because by definition, there is less for me. Hmm. I don't buy the pie. I disagree with the pie theory. Abundance is infinite. It is eternal. It is an energy current, if you will, and we need to plug into it. You know, if your toaster's unplugged, it doesn't mean there's no energy running through your house. It means your toaster's unplugged. But if you plug that toaster in, it works. Okay. We're the toaster. (laughs) (laughs) There is no pie. There is an infinite amount of abundance. And I actually believe that every time you succeed, it buoys me. It actually creates an energy that might bring me along and I might get swept up into your current. And so that's just one more mental trick that I happen to believe deeply. It's not just a tactic. And when I can view the world through that lens, sometimes I'm tired and I don't. Because <laughs> it I'm takes low, work, right? We've <laughs> just been sloth-like for a few days. <laughs> but when I'm being a grown-up, I just think, you know, my dear friends, if they have a success, you know, people within my within my inner circle or whatnot, it it inflates me. It makes me feel like I might be swept up in their current. It makes me genuinely happy, and I want to know how to have more and create more. And to me, that is the spirit of what abundance is. It ain't a pie. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if you, it makes so much sense when you start thinking about it for things like parenting, 
So I don't know if dads do this as much as moms, but seeing the mom who does, oh my gosh, like the perfect snacks that they take to school. Like when they, you know what I'm talking about? If they, if there's a party, the Valentine's, oh my gosh, Valentine's day this year, the things my kids came home with. And I was like, my daughter literally got this huge chocolate ball that when you put it in hot water, it dissolved and had sprinkles come out of it. And I just thought, who, like, how, how do you, did somebody make that? Yes. They were all handmade. Get out. I'm not kidding you. Not even kidding you. And so I, so when we talk about like this imposter syndrome, not being good enough, feeling like I, what are my even qualifications? If I can't make these homemade balls to send my daughter to school. But when you think of it in the way that you said it, in no way would we think if that woman or that dad is an amazing parent, that means that I can't be. We would never think that. There's no pie when it comes to being great in our relationships. So why do we think about that in the sense of the things that we do in our lives? This, to me, in a way, comes back to that stacking conversation that we were talking about. So, and by the way, I call it Pinterest parenting, (laughs) and I don't mean it in a nice way. (laughs) (laughs) And that's because I don't have any of those skills. Like I, and but but let me tell you what my son did not get. Okay, my son did not get home baked goodies. My son did not get really like a lot of tradition um, or I'm just not very good at Mm -hmm. making everything pretty. And honestly, I move very quickly. So sometimes I have trouble being present and that type of personality is much less likely to stop and slow down and decorate everything richly and beautifully and create traditions and activities around things. And I mean, there's, there's so many different ways to fail at parenting. I'm just going to identify a few of them for you. (laughs) (laughs) So my son was not speaking a third language by, or even really a second one. Now that I mention it, you know, by four years old or like the, my son did not learn a musical instrument. So the, the number of ways that I failed, I'm making air quotes, the way I failed at parenting is also infinite. There's an infinite number of ways that I failed at parenting. Were I to compare my parenting Mm. and let that be the barometer? Okay. And Mm -hmm. also, of course I failed. Of course I objectively had failures. Those also exist, but this is what we're talking about now. So one of the ways that I really had to, like, I had to develop a skill for processing this because I worked. I did not have additional children at home. So you have like the only child guilt. You have the working mom guilt. And again, it's an infinite number of ways we can punish ourselves. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. There's no end to that. Okay. Now, someone who's looking in at my life might be like, Oh my gosh. So, so I'm a fit woman. Like I exercise, I enjoy it. Okay. So I present that way. So someone might be like, Oh my God, I can't believe his mother has time to stay fit. Or maybe they judge me for that. Or, Oh my gosh, she doesn't cook. Or maybe they were like, Oh my gosh, she gets to travel all the time. I'm so jealous. Oh my gosh. She and her husband travel together for work. I'm so jealous. Or, Oh my gosh, she only had one shot. Like 
my point is that I have no idea if I'm somebody else's envy button or disgust button. Okay. So the moment I start worrying about that, I'm dead. Okay. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just spinning out the entire time. I'm not making them happy and I'm not making them feel better about themselves. Like I can't win if I'm looking outside myself for validation. I cannot. Yeah. Yeah. That's key. The trick that does work is you say, well, what stack am I bringing to the table? So I'm not Joe's mom. I'm not Mary's mom. I'm not Julie's mom. And I don't know how to make chocolate bath bombs or whatever for Valentine's (laughs) day. And I never will. So one thing I would challenge each of us to do, and whether you're a parent or a caretaker or a sister or a brother or a cousin, you get the idea is to say, well, what is my unique stack? So if I'm a stack of things, what am I bringing to the table? Well, my son got to travel because I traveled. So my son got to see things I never saw when I was a kid. My son got to eat in proper restaurants instead of McDonald's like I did when I was a kid. My son got a mom who has a sense of humor and is kind of fun and a little bit weird and maybe had a dance party in the kitchen. Okay. So maybe he didn't get fresh chocolate chip cookies, but he got this stack. And if we think about ourselves in that way, I think it makes it so much more interesting. And I think we can be a little bit more forgiving of ourselves because it's like, what, what do I bring to the table that Mary's mom, she's bringing her own stack. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Cause that's the key, right? It, the key is noticing within ourselves, what is, what are our, what are our gifts? What are our curiosities? What are our skills? What makes us, us and own that. Doesn't it even just feel good to say it? It does. It really does. <laughs> You're like, wait, wait. I don't actually have to beat myself up for all of the ways I'm not that person. Um, and you know what else? This brings up another theme for me because when we talk about imposter complex or I am not qualified or they will find out that I'm a fraud, okay? There are other outfits that this fear shows up in. So. Mm. We talk, we we dabbled in talking about like the perfectionist, the, the Pinterest perfectionist, the perfectionist parent or the perfectionist that you work with, or perhaps we're perfectionists in our own way. When you are, when you say to yourself, I'm not going to do the thing until it's exactly right. You are utterly handicapping yourself just as much as the person who says, I'm too scared to try. Hmm. It's the same thing. So if everything has to be perfectly lined up before it can see the light of day, you are not showing up as your authentic self. You are not valuing your unique stack that you bring to the table. And frankly, you can use that excuse or that milestone of perspection to literally never do the thing. And so I just want to point out that this fear of being seen as we are can show up in different outfits. It can show up as the perfectionist. It can show up as the superwoman. That's the complex I have. I'm like, oh, that's okay. Of course I will do 11 things at the same time. I don't even need a cape, but I can definitely fly. And by the way, you will never see me sweat. And I'm going to spin 13 plates at the same time. And all of them will spin at a rate that you will deem acceptable. Like that's my problem. I am like the golden retriever of getting things done. You know, I get excited if I'm given a task so that I can somehow prove my superwomanhood. I don't know if anyone can relate to that. I'm going to assume somebody can. <laughs> Maybe you are 
the rock, the island where you don't need anyone else and you're not willing to ask for help because that would be weak. And so my point, Kimberly, is that there are so many different outfits that this can wear for us. It's all fear. And you know what I think is interesting? You said this at the very beginning and we've been talking about it throughout. As you said, one of the things that's helpful is to lean into it with a curiosity. And I actually heard, um, he had, I don't know, he had some kind of initials outside of his name. I don't remember what his accreditations were, but he was talking about how the opposite emotion to get yourself outside of worry and fear is curiosity. Because it's an open feeling as opposed to fear and anxiety being a very closed feeling. And there's actually a scale for this. Like, I think you find it absolutely fascinating. But because what you're saying is exactly what he said. It, it brings you to an openness. I love that so much. And what I, I immediately thought of two things. The one I will share with you. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll all just wonder what the other one is. Yes. This is so hard to do in relationships. And I've been married for a while now. I think you have as well. And I am a big fan of my husband. Okay. We've been quarantined or locked up or whatever you want to call it for quite some time. And I still like him. Okay. And yet I say all that to tell you that also sometimes like the sound of him breathing makes me (laughs) want to punch a hole in the wall. And that is my problem. (laughs) (laughs) That is me. That is why I opened this the way that I did. I love him. I adore him. And I have a mad crush on him. And sometimes I just, you know, and we are both hot headed when we believe in something, which is, you know, Mm -hmm. like all the days (laughs) when I get triggered and when he gets triggered, the, the best And most useful thing that you can do is to get curious about what is happening instead of reacting Mm -hmm. to it. And this is true for jealousy. This is true for anger. This is true for hurt. This is even true for love and good things. Mm -hmm. And if I can get curious, if he says something and it just totally strikes me the wrong way, rubs me the wrong way, and I kind of sort of know that it's not rational, right? But I don't care because I'm mad or I'm whatever, sure. Sure. <laughs> right? You're like, your rational brain is like, um, Ella, and, but you don't care. Your emotions are in charge in that moment. Mm-hmm. If you can breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth and then get curious about what just happened. It's a vulnerable place to be. It's a somewhat disciplined place to be. It is relationship altering, in my opinion. Does that resonate with you at all? 100%. It takes a long time to learn that. 100%. That's why this podcast exists. Maybe you can shortcut somebody's learning curve. Right. Which would, uh, yes. But even, even talking about it in this instance, it's helpful to remember that, right? Because... We do. We do when we feel threatened. The tendency is put the wall up, go inward, like protect. But, and then write a story. I'm now I'm going off of just what I go through, and then write a story about why the other person has done the things that they do. But when you're curious and you ask the questions, you come at it from a different light and you're not writing your own story, you're figuring out the real story. And what I almost all the time find out is that number one, it's not what I put in my head. 
not the story I was telling myself. Number two, I empathize with the other person. Number three, we're able to actually make our relationship stronger. And number four, I'm not butthurt about it for so long. Yeah. And there's less resentment because resentment, resentment. man, that is poisonous stuff. And it just builds over time. Yes. I love that. And I think it's so useful to not only get curious about your own stuff, but if you can, in the right way, ask, maybe Mm -hmm. not in the moment, but like, you know, later you can say, you know, I tripped your trigger there. Like I stepped Mm -hmm. on a mine and I don't Mm -hmm. know what the mine is called. So I understand that I tripped your trigger and I was really mad when you reacted and I had no idea because it just, you know, in the moment, emotions went out, ego went out, but 24 hours later, may I ask you, like, what do you think that was for you? So when I said that to you that way, what did I trigger for you? Like, what was that? What, where did that come from? And I have learned so much. I'm not good at doing that stuff in the moment because I'm a hothead. We've established that. (laughs) But you can be 24 hours. I can be an adult again. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe after a good long walk. Yes. Or a glass of wine. One of those things can get me back. (laughs) Don't get me back. Just kidding, folks. Health and wellness. Health and wellness. wellness. (laughs) That's right. Yes. No, you're so right. A couple of days ago, we were, it was the night before we were about to leave for a week, a weekend long vacation. So we were going to be gone and our dishwasher was broken. Not only was it broken, there was standing water in the bottom of it. So me, because I'm, I am more anxiety prone. I'm like, it's going to turn into mildew and mold. We're going to come back to this huge mess. Like we got to get it fixed. So, um, so I told Rob, my husband, I said, will you please fix this or get it fixed? So he kind of messed around with it a bit. And then he called a company to come and fix it. Well, okay. So I'm going to get to the, the long and short of it. He calls, they can't come that day or before we leave the next. So they're going to have to come when we get back. Okay. then. We kind of go on, continue packing, do all of our stuff. Later, I come, like, I start Googling it, how to fix a dishwasher, right? So I'm like looking up all this stuff. So then I go back to the dishwasher, I'm doing some stuff, and he loses his mind. He's like, What are you doing? Stop touching it. And so in the moment, I realize his reaction is a bit extreme for the circumstance. Like, all I'm doing is messing around with the dishwasher, but he is clearly angry about this. Something's going on. I'm curious, right? And I'm, I'm sharing when I do this, right? I'm curious. So I wait for about an hour to pass. And then I go into the bedroom and I'm like, let's talk about it. I'm like, what was going on there? Because it wasn't the dishwasher. So what were you really thinking when I was doing that? And it opened up conversation about something that happened in his past with how his mom used to do things like that. And he's like, I just want you to trust me. That's what it came down to for him. I want you to trust me. You told me to do it. I'm doing it. Let me do it. Oh, that gives me goosebumps. I can do it. I'm like, okay. And then at that point, I was like, I don't need to touch the dishwasher anymore. Oh, you're like, I'm just trying not to die of mold. And (laughs) what I've done is invalidate you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what he needed. But in that moment, like it was a trigger for him. And so if I, especially like in the first part of our marriage, what would have happened, the dance would have been, then I would have gotten mad back, right? Like it would have continued in that negative cycle. We never would have fixed it. And we would have been resentful about it. A hundred percent. And the, the one I wasn't going to tell you, but you've inspired me. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's something, and I, I won't go on about this, Kimberly, but the short version is, this is something we talk a lot about on, on air with Ella. And that is that I had a very disordered relationship with food and just my own mm. body for a really long time. And it was off and on, like it, w- it went mm. dormant for 10 years. Um, and then came back and shocked me with its strength and its power over me when I was like, living a happy, fulfilling life. So, so that's a journey that I talk about very openly on the air. And Kimberly, it wasn't until I traded shame for curiosity that I climbed over that mountain and got to the other side of it. And I think that's true no matter what demon we're wrestling with. In this case, for me, you know, it was, I'm an imposter. I have a health and wellness. It's not health and wellness anymore. It's really at the intersection of wellness and personal development now. Um, cause my, my material has evolved as I have grown, Mm -hmm. I like to think. And at the same time, you know, I'm out there trying to inspire or facilitate or expose people to resources, just honestly to help us live our very best life. And here I am in the dark, metaphorically, and sometimes literally with this crazy out of control behavior. And I felt all the things. I felt like an imposter. I felt dishonest. And I felt like, wow, if people knew this about me. And so the short version, Kimberly, is that it wasn't until I just said that and I dragged it out into the light. It wasn't until I dragged it into the light that it lost so much dominion over me. And then, of course, people out there relate to it and connect to me. And then you attract what you need to heal. And so that started happening. But the magic formula for me personally was to get so curious about it instead like shame is not a strategy if shame were a strategy hmm. wouldn't we all be like our very best selves all the time cuz we did it so prolifically <laughs> right wouldn't, wouldn't we all be in great shape because if shame worked we'd all be in really great shape by now. Shame is not a strategy. You've heard other people say it. I'm here to repeat it. But when I was able to flip the script and turn it to curiosity, it led me to where I needed to get to. But it had to be more than just being curious. Like, so what take, tell us what we do. We get curious, then we find the answers. And then what, how do we move forward from feeling unqualified? Um, This is where tough love comes in because in my book that I'm writing in my head, um, <laughs> there's, a, book, tell me. <laughs> there's a book that it's in my head. Um, it might eventually make it to paper, Kimberly. That'll be an Do exciting it. day. I'll let you know. Um, there's a step that we skip. So we kind of want to go from like this awareness into being the thing, like from awareness to embodiment, if you will. And we skip the part where accountability comes into play and application comes into play. So this is something that we'll just scratch the surface of today, but accountability means to me, to me, taking radical accountability for where you are, for the results that you're currently living in, and for determining what the smallest step you will take in the direction of what you want is. And until we can fully embrace that we own the keys and we're in the driver's seat and the vehicle is ours. Like life is going to happen to us. There are going to be things that happen to us that are well, well, well beyond our control. Um, I think so many people have experienced that recently, um, even, uh, even in greater numbers than, than, you know, normal. And until we realize though, that that stuff's all going to happen, 
we don't control the highway. We don't control the environment around us, but we're driving the car. And so if I'm not where I want to be, if I'm, and I'm going to tie this back to our earlier conversation, if I'm envious of someone that I see, and I really ask myself why, and then I ask myself, yeah, but why again? And I get my answer. If I don't do anything about it, if I don't identify that as a target for me, if I don't identify what I feel like is lacking and then drum up the next smallest thing that I can do to move toward it, that's on me. And that Mm. is where accountability and application separate the wheat from the chaff when it comes to kind of building the life that we want. Mm. Do you put people in your life or surround yourself with people who will help you be accountable? Absolutely. And that requires, so it means that there are some people in your life that you can't have in your life. So um, to me, the people who just tell you what you want to hear, listen, I always want to be the dumbest person in the room. So I will actively seek out spaces where I am the, and I'm, I'm being a little bit facetious, but where I'm the dumbest in the room, or when I started training for triathlon, I went and I was the slowest, by the way, I had no clue about anything. Like I didn't know what to wear. I didn't know how anything worked. I, I mean, I was a joke and that's exactly what I want to keep doing over and over again. I want to be the slowest and I want to be the least adept because everyone around me is going to level me up. So Mm -hmm. there's this adage, it's not mine, but it's like, if you want to get healthy, then surround yourself with the five healthiest people you can tolerate. (laughs) You can tolerate. (laughs) That's the key. key. (laughs) So you got to find them and you got to be able to tolerate them. Um, A rising tide lifts all boats. So I will very actively seek out or be willing to be the least. And that has served me quite well. Also in my intimate relationships. And what I mean by that is like, you know, your, your top 10 people is what, what I mean. Um, I ask for feedback and I give feedback lovingly. Mm-hmm. And even, I mean, I, even one time I went a little, people are going to roll their eyes at this one, prepare yourselves. <laughs> limber up. Um, I sent like a 360 degree feedback questionnaire to people in my life. And it had nothing to do with my business. I just send it to them. I was like, when do, what do you feel like I can do better? What, you know, when do you feel most connected to me? When do you not? Because I move at the speed, like I move fast. And so sometimes that can make people feel like they're not important or like they're being left behind. Yeah. And I don't know what book I read or what inspired that I'm rolling my eyes at myself, but honestly, I got so much good feedback. I love it. I'm over here. Like, Great idea. (laughs) Please rate me on a scale of one to 10. (laughs) And it's, you know, that listen, caveat, I'm not putting that on social media. I don't want to be rated by people outside my circle. You got to live your life in concentric circles. You got to know whose opinion matters, whose advice matters to you. And frankly, that should be a very, very small circle. And you can want people to enjoy their interactions with you without worrying about what, you know, what they think of you, if you will, or like, you know, if they, how they would rate you on a scale of one to 10. Right. Exactly. Oh, I love it. Ella, I love talking to you, number one. And part of the reason I love talking to you is because it's not very many people that you can talk to. And at the end of it, or at least I've found, and then at the end of it, feel so freaking uplifted. And you do that. Kimberly, I happen to think 
that we were made to be here and enjoy this experience. <laughs> and I'm not a naturally what optimistic a novel person. idea. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't wake up in the morning. I'm like, oh my God. I'm not that person. I'm not naturally any of those things. I do make a choice every day. Um, and also I feel just kind of lucky to be alive. And when you think like that, you know, it's, it's, mm. it's a bit easier to find a sunny disposition, but here's what I mean. I believe we were all created to do something here. And maybe that's to love one person or a small group of people. And maybe it's to create something that everybody in the world knows about. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, When we spend a little time with ourselves and check in with our intuition and ask ourselves what lights us up and can spend a moment there, we walk away feeling lit up. So I think the reason you and I feel a little bit lit up is because we connected on these little spots in life where you're like, God, yeah, I do want to turn the dial up on that a little bit. And being reminded of who you Mm. are is a very powerful thing. Mm. Yes. And getting the encouragement from other people to show up and own who you are. There is a quote that has become my mantra, but they're not my words. They're the words of Arthur Ashe, the tennis player. And he was asked about achieving greatness. And he said, start where you are, use what you have and do what you can. And I think, Kimberly, that there's not a soul listening that can't start where they are and use what they have, not what Mary has, Mm -hmm. (laughs) use what they have to do what they can. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Tell our audience where they can find you, all the things. I will keep this so simple. On Air with Ella podcast, come and give it a listen see if there's something in it for you. And then I respond to every single message I get on Instagram. So I'm at on air with Ella. You can find me anywhere on air with Ella. There's only one of us. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so easy to remember and beautiful and simple on air with Ella. I love it. Ella, thank you so much for joining me today and encouraging our guests to go and start doing and living their best lives. I can't wait to hear about it. My first key takeaway is that feeling unqualified can show up differently for each of us. So for some people, it may feel like they would feel found out, that they feel like an imposter. For other people, it means that they have to do all of the things and do it absolutely perfectly. For others, it means that they're too scared to even start. They would rather just stay comfortable and stay in their bubble. And for others, it may mean that they feel like they aren't good enough. I know that is the one that I struggle with the most. But for all of these, what lies behind it, and I love what Ella said here, is it's fear. It's fear of doing it wrong or fear of of other people judging you or fear of just even allowing yourself to step out because you're scared of making a mistake. But the way to combat fear is the second key pies takeaway I have for this episode, which is you combat the fear with curiosity. When we begin to look inward, when we're wanting to make a change in our lives, but we feel like we're being held back or we're comparing ourselves to others and feel like we can't, then being curious about that and asking, why does that bother me? Why do I feel like I'm not good enough? Why do I feel like I can't step forward and move forward in that? As we begin to ask the question, we begin to turn inward and 
actually understand what's going on within ourselves. Being curious guides you through a journey with yourself to understand what it what the deep-seated thought, idea, or emotion is under the surface level feelings that we have. So many times in relationships, we know that the thing that couples are fighting about is just a symptom if they're disagreeing about something. That disagreement is a symptom of a deeper core issue. And it's the same when we begin to have internal conflict with ourselves. It's that it's typically a symptom of something deeper that's going on. And guess what? It takes work to figure out what is underneath it. It takes work to figure out what your deep core is and what deep in your core you're wanting for your life. But when you actually do that work and take the time to do it, oh my gosh, that is where transformation happens. So my third key pies takeaway is to take the time and take the space to allow yourself to be curious. Allow yourself time and space to ask yourself questions, to think about the answers, to journal about it. That's one of my favorite ways to do it, or to have a trusted confidant that you speak to about it. That's not going to tell you the answers, but that's going to encourage you and ask you questions about it to help you see things deeper and to find those things. And here's why it matters for you being the best you can be and for you becoming a more attractive person. When you take the time to actually do the work, do your inner work, understand yourself better and why you have the emotions you have or react the way you do, then that is going to actually make you a more confident person. You're going to understand yourself more, why you react the way you do. And ultimately, you're going to end up changing the way you react. Because one of the things that I have found, even for me personally, is I, as I said in the podcast, I know that I have a tendency to be a jealous person. I have been aware of that for at least 10 years now. And it's something that I have leaned into and said, I realize I'm jealous right now. So what can I do about it? In the past, I would have done things like I would have ended up fighting with my husband because of something that happened earlier in the day that made me jealous. I would have ended up putting myself on a more restrictive diet because I felt like I needed to punish myself since I wasn't good enough or I felt like I wasn't good enough. That was a way I reacted. But over time, as I have realized that about myself and worked through it, then I realized what I need to do is what Ella said, that I need to ask myself, where is that coming from? Go to a trusted person. I have two people that I go to in those situations. And and I have them help me to realize that I have value, I have a purpose, and, and I don't need to be distracted by things because that's just a distraction. And to stay focused on what I need to do and say, well, what is it from this that I need to take with me and make a change in my life, if anything. And that's a healthier way I have learned to deal with it. And so when you begin working on these things for you, whatever they are, the fear that's holding you back or the things that come up, then you will learn healthier ways to deal with it. And that's going to make you a more attractive person, especially when it comes to being a person who evokes emotions within others that they enjoy feeling. Well, guess what? You have to start by evoking emotions within yourself that you enjoy feeling And that starts with doing the work. So remember that when you're curious and lean into 
feelings that you feel of not being good enough or being scared to move forward or try things or being jealous and feeling like you aren't qualified to move forward, that you are and take that time to be curious, sit with the feelings and figure out what you need to do to be able to move forward. Even if it's one small step, you can do it. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to go and subscribe to this podcast and leave an honest review. I love to hear from you guys. So be sure to go and do that. And it will also help more people find the podcast as well. You can always find out more information by going to itstartswithattraction.com for show notes, for updates, and to join the email list so that every Friday you can get an encouraging email that specifically tells you what you can do to work on your pies so that you can become the best that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Until next week, keep working on your pies and stay strong.